Chief, uh, if I were surrounded by six or eight of these things, would I stand a chance with them? Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot them in the head. That's a sure way to kill them. If you don't, get yourself a club or a torch. Beat them or burn them. They go up pretty easy. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Welcome to the Mad River Anthology. I'm Brent Jenkins. Tonight we debut a new literary form specifically for radio, Zombipo, which takes its name in homage from Ulipo, a literary movement which began in 1960 in Paris and is still active today and contains some of the 20th century's greatest writers, Italo Calvino, Georges Perec, and Jacques Roubaud. According to Roubaud, the aim of Ulipo is to invent or reinvent restrictions of a formal nature, that is, constraints, and propose them to enthusiasts interested in composing literature. This aim has at least two interesting features. Number one, the Ulipo is not exclusively literary. It features many mathematicians since mathematics provides a nearly endless reservoir of possible constraints. And two, it doesn't count the creation of literary works among its primary aims, valuing the form itself over any singular product produced by it, the sonnet being a prime example. So what is Zombie Poe? You're no doubt dying to know. I'll say more about this in just a minute, but for now, Zombie Poe is, as the name implies, a poetry done by zombies. And here's how it came into being. I was recently given a four-CD collection of poetry called Poetry on Record. Ninety-eight poets read their work from 1888 to 2006. Right away, I knew I wanted to do something with this collection for the Mad River Anthology. Initially, I thought I would just play excerpts, which in retrospect would have made for a far better, more listenable show. Rhythm blues, I am the boogeyman, the woogeyman, catch as catch can, the rabbit, the monkey, blue hard, blue slick, blue slow, blue quick, blue cool, blue hot, everything I am, everything I'm not. Slave boy Leroy from Newark Hill, if capitalism don't kill me, racism will but also a cheaper one. It would have taken me probably 30 minutes to select 10 or so tracks a kind of greatest hits. Then I would have added some commentary why I chose Adrian Rich, her voice, over Allen Ginsberg, or Ted Hughes over Gary Snyder, etc., etc. The show would have ended and we would have gone home happy having had a kind of mainstream poetry on the radio experience. Typical of my tastes and interest in radio and this program, I opted for something entirely different. I'd been listening to Danger Mouse's provocative mashup, The Grey Album, and this impelled me to want to tinker and screw around and mess things up a little bit, to want to manipulate poetry on record in some way. In my own writing life, I had been working with a movie that was essential to my childhood, George Romero's apocalyptic zombie masterpiece, Night of the Living Dead. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. 
I used to watch Night of the Living Dead as a kid each year with my sisters, and so I thought I might want to use the two, Poetry on Record, Night of the Living Dead, in an Ulipion way. Once I had the basic premise, the rest was easy. Since Night of the Living Dead is all about the zombies, I thought I could have them constitute my chief constraint. I watched the runtime clock of the movie and made a notation every time a zombie showed up, recording when exactly they appeared and for how long. Armed with this set of coordinates, as it were, I could then apply them to poetry on record as a directive of what and how much of an audio sample I could use. So the first zombie appears at 525 of the movie, and he only shows up for just a second. Barbara, one of the main characters in Night of the Living Dead, is at the cemetery with her brother Johnny so that they can lay a wreath at their father's grave. It sounds like this. Hey, I mean, praying's for church, huh? Come on. I haven't seen you in church lately. <laughs> well... Not much sense in my going to church. In terms of our first sample from Poetry on Record, we get... Sob! From the great John Berryman. The characters in Night of the Living Dead have not yet registered our zombie. To them, he's merely someone shuffling in the distance at the cemetery. And Johnny, seeing that his sister is obviously spooked by being at the cemetery, begins to tease her. They're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Though this is one of the great lines of the movie, a by now famous line to zombie enthusiasts, I couldn't come anywhere near to using it. It was out of bounds as no zombies were present at the time of its utterance. This, of course, is one of the primary things you encounter in using constraint-based form. You don't get to choose. The choice is made for you. And what lies outside this choice can be maddening. At 6.49 of the film, we get our first zombie attack. But for our purposes, this is incidental. The procedure doesn't register attacks. It registers appearance. And that has preceded the attack by eight seconds. What is significant here is that our first, and I can say with confidence, star zombie, he has the most screen time, the most close-ups, etc., shows up from 641 to 741, which constitutes a sizable audio sample, which features, amazingly enough, Yates, Dylan Thomas, and David Ignatow, and sounds like this. This is the solution to be happy with slaughter. We twelve children, eight of whom we lost. And dream in their bed. Shouting to the wooded hills, singing to the green valleys. Fear, fright, and elation. Now, if you've been following my procedure, here you should rightly have the following question. At 641 of your stupid zombie movie, a zombie appears for 60 seconds, so that at 641 in Poetry on Record, you should ostensibly get a 60-second sound clip from a poet reading their work, maybe even a second poet if the particular 60 seconds happens to occur at the end of one poet's work and the beginning of another, yet you just listed three poets. How is this possible? I made an executive decision at 641 to modify my constraint so that I could obtain my 60-second sample from any of the four poetry-on-record discs 
since the discs are between 60 and 80 minutes long, which given that the movie's runtime is a little over 90 minutes, would completely preclude using anything from disc 3 or 4. Yet because the discs progress in mostly chronological order, by omitting discs 3 and 4, we omit all of the 21st century and most of the 20th, which I felt was simply unacceptable, given that our movie takes place in 1968. Herein, the labor of zombie poe, which is typical of Olympian-style work, should be readily apparent. Every time a zombie shows up, I am required to go to that corresponding point of time on each of my four compact discs and grab a sample. Now, if the disc featured a runtime clock like Night of the Living Dead does, this would be easy enough, but they don't. As you might expect, there are only track listings, one after the other so that to move to, say, 1514 in any disc, you have to add up all the individual tracks, 237 plus 45 plus 319 plus 134, which is more time-consuming than you might think. At any rate, heartened by the audio clips I was getting... This is the lay of Ike. Here's to the glory of the great white orc who has been running uh, 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 things in recent act in the United. If your screen is black, ladies and gentlemen, we, I like, at the point he was already terrific, sick to a second term, having done no wrong, no right, no right, having let the army bang, defend itself from Joe, let venom straws bile Oppenheimer out of use. Use Rob, who later fend for gold fine. Breaking no laws. He lay in the White House. Sob, who never understood his own strategy. We, so money's memoirs, nor any strategy. Wanting the ball bulled through all parts of the line at once. Proving by his refusal to take Berlin he misread even Clausewitz's wide, empty grin. I soldiered on and at 12.57 reached both a milestone and a conceptual conundrum. Two zombies show up at the same time and then three, one of whom is our star zombie. This is what the moment sounds like in Night of the Living Dead. Naturally, the project at this point has to become multi-voiced, but after only a little over two minutes of single samples provided by the star zombie, does the project move into sounding like this until its end? And miles of them first and second, than the they stare across the space of me before I sleep. Ulipion Pyrrhus might argue, yes, yes, it should, that the ever-increasing mass of zombies who pose an ever-increasing threat should be reflected in an ever-increasing din of noise, that you, dear listener, should be menaced, just as the survivors in Night of the Living Dead are menaced. The bad news for following this line of logic is that Night of the Living Dead is an apocalyptic zombie movie, meaning that no one survives. So while I definitely believe in asking you, my listeners, to suffer right along with me, I don't think I'm capable of killing you. 
So clearly another tact must be taken, one which keeps you, my sweet listeners, alive, and yet also adheres to the spirit, if not the letter, of the project. So at 12.57, the project changes to reflect three voices, one, however, privileged in terms of volume over the others, and this is what it sounds like. When bo- oh. Strap the hot wire. The great spirit. From the bed of the river. Today, now and now and day. Came was bellowing. He and as he and he. He is and as he is and as he is and he is. He is and as he and he and as he is and he. And he and and he and he. So we bounce along from 1257 all the way to 3311 in multi voiced zombie po bliss. The hero of Night of the Living Dead has shown up at 1346, but we could care less because our zombies don't show up for another five seconds. There is, however, an ominous occurrence at 1847 when for seven seconds, four zombies appear on screen. After dispatching two zombies who've made their way into the farmhouse, our hero glances out the back door and sees a small congregation of zombies, which I can only respond to with fear and trepidation having nothing to do with concern for Night of the Living Dead's characters. It's the number four that gives me a stomachache. Poetry on record contains four discs, so four zombies becomes the tipping point. If a fifth zombie shows up, I'm in trouble. I don't have a fifth disc with which to represent him or her. So for the next 15 minutes and 18 seconds, I proceed with what can only be called Ulipion Existential Dread. They're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. The pattern is undeniable. More and more zombies are coming. It's just a matter of time until my project is swamped. At 34.37, the fifth zombie arrives, including our first female zombie, and I am yet again at another impasse. At this point, I have put in some 400 hours tracking zombies through Night of the Living Dead, hitting pause, then play, over and over again to see precisely when they come and go. I have gotten to know these zombies, even unavoidably come up with an informal taxonomy for them. There are the zombies who fall into the class of those who receive close-ups. There are a class of tie-wearing zombies, a class who can count themselves among the most successful zombies in that they manage to extinguish a human character. There are those dispatched with a tire iron, a larger group than you might think. There are, of course, those that belong to the class of zombie tool users. They come and they go much in the same way we do. One of them, shockingly, looks like my father, another like Pee Wee Herman. Needless to say, I am invested in these zombies. I am in whole hog, and yet the project is in danger of going belly up, of declaring conceptual bankruptcy. But just as things appear to grimly be over, the Ulipo comes through for me. After all, they've been at this game for almost 50 years, and this kind of thing has had to come up before. Rather than just chuck the whole project, there is a provision, only to be used in extreme circumstances, called the Klinemen, which was apparently rehabilitated from the ancient Greeks in the late 20th century by none other than Alfred Jari, notorious pataphysician. The Klinemen essentially allows one to break the constraint, usually for aesthetic reasons, 
but not without parameters, the foremost being that the constraint can be used provided that the project could still proceed without it, which is perfect for my dilemma. I can technically return to disk 1, only now inhabiting the position of disk 5, and extract my fifth sample using the same time coordinates. That this sample is the exact same as the number 1 sample in the sequence is rather Borgesian, but immaterial. The great advantage of this clinamen for my purposes is that it makes no difference whether I do it or not, since number 1 and number 5 sound exactly the same. I could, of course, double the voice, but that doesn't really make sense since number 5 is not the double of number 1. Number 5 is the fifth zombie, who I hope will exist metaphysically within the sound recording. If not, he or she will certainly exist conceptually. You can make up your own mind. To be said, you were born, you had body, you died, you died. At 45.11, there's a nice moment in the film wherein the hero is attacked not by zombies, but by their hands. We see two sets of hands breaking through the farmhouse walls to grab our hero. They're let out back, too. Unexpectedly, the zombie hands trip me up. When do I start the clock? When I see the zombies' hands or the zombies themselves? The question of when to start the clock really contains another, deeper question. What is a zombie? I break out Heidegger's being in time, Kant's critique of pure reason. This is a quest, one that Zombie Poe has asked or engendered itself, which certainly adds dimension to the form. Obviously, in asking what a zombie is, one is really asking, what is a human? So at 45.11, the reel of Zombie Poe has arrived. Now, I can't know for sure if what I'm about to say is true, but I suspect that it is and that it's important. Does the procedure of Zombie Poe, that is, examining every single zombie in Night of the Living Dead over and over again ad nauseum, lead one to insights that it would be impossible to gain otherwise. I believe it does, and that in delineating this new literary form we arrive at one of its chief attributes. Through the infinite labor and patience that Zombie Poe requires, the game of Zombie Poe delivers something beyond the game. Zombie movies don't ask what a zombie is, nor what it means to be human explicitly. But Zombie Poe does, which opens a dialectic with film in general, the medium from which Zombie Poe owes its existence. The ability of Zombie Poe to question or reflect on, even influence this medium, offers an entirely new direction for zombie films, a genre that has for the most part become hackneyed and moribund. Without taking too much credit, we can await the arrival of a zombie film which explicitly asks or explores what a zombie is without sacrificing any of the necessary thrill, one would hope. But really, the possibilities are open-ended, and not open-ended in the token way we get with Romero's very poor Day of the Dead movie in which a mad scientist teaches a zombie to shave. In my book, that's worse than no examination at all. 
at this point in zombie po, I can't help but feel that my job is done. There are a clear set of principles governing the form. I can leave zombie po to future practitioners who will no doubt take the form to Perekian Heights. For some 800 years of recorded poetry, this sonnet has arguably produced the most interesting, beautiful, and varied poems of any form. Though the Ulipo has not yet produced anything to match it, I can only hope that this first zombie po and its creator will be lost to time, while the form itself continues to generate interesting work. At 4619, as if right on cue, 16 zombies show up. All right, Vince, hit him in the head, right between the eyes. Good shot. Okay, he's dead. Let's go get him. That's another one for the fire. And much like the characters in Night of the Living Dead, I am overwhelmed. I can think of no real way to represent 16 zombies or extract a corresponding sound print from poets on record. Unlike Perec, Calvino, or Roubault, I don't go back to the drawing board and grind out an elegant mathematical system involving Quinault numbers and the Latin bisquare in order to preserve my masterpiece. Instead, I just give up, and it feels good. As Nietzsche says, the serenity of failure as life ebbs into despair. Without giving anything away, I can say that Nine of the Living Dead ends surprisingly with a very big twist. So with 8.43 left to go in this installment of the Mad River Anthology, whose 30-minute time limit actually provides Zombie Poe with its real meta-constraint, let me just say two things. One, giving up is easy because I never really started, and two, the Canada Dry, one of my favorite Olympian clinamins. The Canada Dry takes its moniker from the well-known ginger ale, which advertises itself as the champagne of ginger ale, and which the Olympians translate to mean, it's got bubbles, but it ain't no champagne. The Canada Dry is a work that looks to have been written via a constraint-based system, but in fact isn't. Lest you are confused, I made the whole thing up. I didn't watch a single zombie. I didn't start or stop the clock at any time. The point is, though, I could have. And so that you don't think I was being cruel, there are actually clues throughout the show. It is very likely that these clues are more easily discerned by those who know a little about poetry in Night of the Living Dead. To reiterate, Zombie Poe is real, but this particular Zombie Poe is not really a Zombie Poe, but rather a Canada Dry. The takeaway is this. You or anyone could use the form to generate new and interesting poetry. Pick any zombie movie and start the runtime clock when the first zombie appears, and then stop it when he or she exits. Do the same for each following zombie appearance. When a zombie horde appears, develop a corresponding way to represent it. For instance, and this is fairly arbitrary, when the zombie horde appears, you could always take a 100-second sample from the 100th minute of your recording, in progressions of 10 for each horde thereafter. Your coordinates could easily be applied to books. The minutes indicating page numbers, seconds either lines or word numbers. 
A first-order zombie poe would be applied to works you yourself created, poems, novels, etc. A second-order one, like the one that it seemed I was using tonight, would sample other works. In Ulipion terms, these are called centos. Just for kicks, you could use a sample text from Edgar Allan Poe, and then you'd have a zombie po-po. Here, then, with fondest regards, is my Ulipion zombie po, which makes excellent use of the Canada Dry. Comments or questions about this program can be logged using our listener comment line at 826-6089. The Mad River Anthology is produced for KHSU on the campus of Humboldt State University, Arcata, California, and airs the second and the fourth Sundays of the month. Sob. And there is no one to tell me when the ocean will begin. I doubt you did or do. Live at all are dead and were never alive. The choice is lost. When I stand on the roadway or on the pavement's gray, I hear it. But I go in for that. We know what it is for. To die. And were never alive looked at each other where they were buried and the flowers for the honeybee man always tossed and lost with growing wounds by the grand bull's cat william faulkner's blue light the clear atoms of our human air being cemetery souls the world is so difficult to give up Little ends up, they shan't crack. Ignato is dying. Whose drowned face sleeps with open eyes. His vows pulled out all her sinews. He showed her how to make a love knot. Her vows put his eyes in formalin at the back of her secret drawer. Whoa! Mrs. took the top off his skull. She would get a brooch made of it. Dead men naked, they shall be one with the man in the wind and the west moon. When their bones are picked clean and the clean bones gone. As one lays the weapon of a dead hero beside his body and in agreement to lie down in the blood of working. This is the solution to be happy with slaughter. The twelve children, eight of whom we lost. And dream in their bed. Shouting to the wooded hills, singing to the green valleys. Fear, fright and elation, tired of the day, and with night coming on, I lay my body down. Here I am, as I near my death. Occasionally you'll hear me blubber, pl, pl, my mouth. And the seed of the fire gets feeble and cold. Carefully, I walked with my cup toward the elevator man. Whose end, when it comes, will be a death by water which is not for this book, which will remain unknown and unread. And death shall have no elevator man. When strap the hardwire, the great spirit from the bed of the river. Today, now and now and day, was bellowing. He and as he and he. He is and as he is and as he is and he is. He is and as he and he and as he is and he. And he and and he and he. Can curls rob, can curls quote quotable, 
as presently, as exactitude, as trains, has trains, has trains. You will never wind up the sucking thumb or scuttle off ghosts that come. You will never leave them controlling your luscious side. Return, ghost, first and second. They stare across the space at me. To be Sid. You were born, you had body, you died. Of them older than the alphabet. The people, the people pause for breath. The uncle disappeared. To the sector of the dead. Death dates in it, always mentions him. There is no place in her Bible for whereabouts unknown. Part of the wasteland. The brown hills and red gullies. He sees his mother's nod to arrowheads. Of the world. I've watched myself remain. Let me go, serenity, but over me is a face, mouth breathing back, life. Give me the bag, man, I slur. No way, you died, man, Baba said. You stopped breathing and died. I have to go back, you don't understand. To blind me, to entice me, to burn. Come back, not here along a concrete river, but there licked by tongues of flame. Though we bend down often with so much anguish for a little beauty.